Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Laura. And I'm Dr. Elena. And you are listening to your friendly neighborhood pediatricians, a podcast where we discuss all things pediatrics and parenting, because as moms and pediatricians, we know that raising children can be hard, hilarious, and everything in between. So let's get started. Hey. Hey. Well, um, I'm excited because today we'll do our first from the inbox episode where we answer questions that our listeners have submitted to us. So thank you to those that have submitted questions. Um, And I think as we start this new series, we'll try to make this a regular thing and answer your questions uh, in a, in a timely manner. So awesome. Um, Our, so our first question we got was in response to our previous episode on cough congestion and fever, where we address this crazy viral season And our listener asked, should she be concerned if her children are not getting sick like everybody else's kids? She said that their family is very conscious about washing their hands and not touching their face and practicing a lot of those preventative measures that we talked about and that her kids have only been sick that she can think of once in the past two years, which is amazing. I'm jealous. I know. Um, and she has heard from some people that getting sick is good for your immune system. So should she be concerned that her kids are not sick or is this just all a sign that they are doing what they should be in terms of practicing preventive care and, and trying their best to stay healthy? Wow. That's a great question. I know. So good. I mean, um, there is definitely a lot out there, I think about this idea that like, if you're not getting sick, your body isn't, you know making an immune response to whatever comes in contact. And when you do get sick, it's going to be way worse than if you had a bunch of small viral things. Um, And I don't know where that idea came from, um, but it's not true, (laughs) right? I mean, our immune system is an amazing thing and it's constantly being, you know, bombarded with so many things. Um, And I usually tell parents, you know, if your kid isn't getting sick, it just means that your immune system managed to fight off whatever it was before you started having symptoms. It doesn't mean that they didn't actually get sick. You know, if anything, we know from COVID how much asymptomatic infections are a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, I wouldn't worry too much if your child you know, isn't constantly having a drippy nose or, or whatnot. Um, just because we don't actually, you know, really know what their, their bodies are doing. Um, but I would just sort of take that as a good sign and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. I also wonder, I also wonder how old her children are because Mm. it could also be, you know, as you mentioned, we get exposed to a virus and our body kind of learns about it and learns how to fight it off. And then every time we're exposed to those viruses after that, our immune system gets better at recognizing it and fighting it off. So it could be depending on how old her children are, have they been exposed to some of these viruses before? And so their body has just handled this viral season better um, than some other children. But even if they're younger kiddos, I mean, if they're staying healthy and only getting a viral illness, you know, sparingly, that's great. (laughs) And I think, you know, we forget as adults that we all also have, 
we react differently to different things. And in my household, I am rarely sick. Yeah. My husband is sick all the time. You know, we have three kids. My oldest is rarely sick. The two girls are sick more often. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the exact same environment, right? So until mm-hmm. this school year, the kids were at the same daycare. You know, I've been, at the, you know, in pediatrics for like ever. Mm-hmm. And so just people react differently, I think, in their immune systems. Some people's immune systems might be a little bit more um, likely to mount a bigger response and other people's aren't. I mean, I don't, that's a little bit above what I know. And it actually would be super interesting to have someone who knows more about this kind of on some terms of future immunology and our our bodies, uh, everybody's different immunological response to viral illnesses or different kind of infectious insects that we encounter. Right. Well, the other question, um, that we've been getting a lot, uh, I think, from friends, from patients in clinic, um, everywhere, is what to do about this medication shortage that we have been facing in the U.S. and in pediatrics. And that is a shortage of both antibiotics, specifically amoxicillin, which is probably one of the most commonly used antibiotics in pediatrics that we use for ear infections and strep throat and pneumonias. Um, and also probably what parents are encountering even more frequently is the shortage of Tylenol and ibuprofen for children, specifically the liquid suspensions, Uh um, which I know has been really hard with how tough this viral season has been. Yes. I think, I mean, I'm getting asked that all the time in the office. I'm sure you are too. Yes. You know, kids, especially when the kids are coming in for sick visits, and their their families are worried about keeping them comfortable once they get home. And so, you know, I think it's sort of interesting to talk a little bit about why we're having this shortage. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a three-pronged reason. So one, right, we haven't really needed um, to use these medications in the last couple of years, right? So it's reasonable to think that the companies that make, you know, Tylenol and Motrin and such maybe downscaled their production a little bit just because they haven't been selling the way they were probably previous to COVID. Children were home, they were doing school online and they weren't getting sick. They weren't. I mean, I know when, when, you know, we sort of went back to, to unmasking and whatnot, you know, maybe about a year ago, like I pulled out some, Tylenol that I'd had like on a shelf for at least a couple years because my kids had never hadn't needed it in that in that time um so so that combined with just you know supply chain which I think is kind of the default answer for everything Mm -hmm. you know there is you know still issues getting some of the supplies and it's not necessarily what's in the medication as much as it's the packaging or the box or just being able to ship things to Mm -hmm. you know retailers and then it's just this unprecedented viral season. So yeah. again, we're seeing such an explosion in common winter viruses, but much earlier in the year to a much greater degree. Um, and I think those sort of things together have made it so that we're having shortages, not everywhere. I mean, there are definitely places in the country um, that, don't have any of these issues but I think Mm -hmm. you know those of us especially if you live in like a big urban suburban area where there's tons of people so everyone is sick 
you're probably having a hard time finding some of these things um, when you go, you know, to the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think those reasons are the same for like the children's Tylenol and ibuprofen as well as the antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I think with the antibiotics, it's the same thing, probably a decrease in production for a while and then supply chain issues. And then nobody expected this right. explosion of viruses that would then lead to secondary bacterial infections like ear infections that we're seeing left and right in kids right now right. that requires amoxicillin. And so we're prescribing amoxicillin way, you know, way more often than we have the past two years um, because we're seeing more of those secondary infections, like ear infections. Right. And I hate to, you know, (laughs) this isn't necessarily something that we've never seen before. So, you know, I always think to pre-pandemic when, you know, we'd have a particularly bad flu season. At some point during the flu season, we stopped seeing Tamiflu, which Mm -hmm. is the antiviral that we can prescribe for the flu. Um, in, in kind of the same light, like once it reaches a certain point, the supply just doesn't keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do think that sometimes the pharmaceutical companies tend to not make as much children's versions of things um, in that combined with, you know, everything else is mm-hmm. just has created this kind of disaster <laughs> out there. Yeah. So then, our, you know, the next question we get is, what can we do about it? If mm-hmm. my child has a fever and I can't find Tylenol or ibuprofen, what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. So what I have been saying um, to patients is, <clears throat> one, try to just buy <clears throat> a bottle of one or the other. All children can have Tylenol. Um, children six months and older can have uh, Motrin or ibuprofen. Um, But try to buy a bottle before you need it, because usually if you're not at a point where you need it, it just seems like you can find it easier or then all of a sudden your child's sick and has a fever and you need it. And it feels like in that moment, you cannot find it. Right. Um, When you do go and buy it, try not to hoard it. I know one of the issues we have had with, you know, whether it's the formula shortage or medication shortages is people going out and buying, you know, 15 bottles at once. So that they can stockpile it. Try to be conservative. Get one or two bottles of what you need. Try not to stockpile so that with the supply that we do have, we can, you know, spread it out and everybody can have a little bit at a time um, to use it when they need it. Right. Um, If your child is of the age where they can swallow pills, but they haven't learned to yet, teach them how to swallow pills. And that goes for antibiotics. Um, if they're of the appropriate age and, and weight where, you know, uh, a pill form dose would be appropriate. And, and same with Tylenol and ibuprofen, if they're the, of the appropriate age and weight where the dosing of those um, pill form medications is appropriate for them, try to teach them how to swallow pills. And an easy way to do that is with candy. I always say practice with like Tic Tacs or mini M&Ms, and then you can upgrade to like a regular size M&M. But that is a good way to broaden the medications that your child can take because we are not seeing, as you said, the shortages as much with the adult forms of medications. Right. Right. Yes, definitely. Um, And on that that sort of thought, I also tell parents that they can buy generic, right? So the generics are as effective as the name brand. And a lot of times – 
you know, because there, I think, a little bit of hesitancy in getting generics in general, sometimes those will be on the shelf when the name, the name brands are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use the other medications. So some, you know, some families are very attached to either using acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, or ibuprofen, which is Motrin and Advil. And I said, well, you know, you can use the other one. So just because you can't find Advil or Motrin, um, you can use Tylenol for fever too, or vice yeah. versa. Um, and then the other thing that I think is kind of important to remember is that just because you have a five-year-old doesn't mean you can't use the infant form of a medication. Yeah. And just because you have a six-month-old doesn't mean you can't use the child version of the medication. And so with Tylenol, you know, infant Tylenol and child Tylenol are exactly the same. They're the this same. Is the concentration. The yeah. concentration is the same. Um, the dosing is the same. The difference really is a price difference and that the infant one comes with a syringe and the other one comes with a cup. Mm-hmm. And so if you, uh, you know, can't find infant Tylenol, but there's children's Tylenol, then you can go ahead and use that and it would work the same. Mm-hmm. Um, with ibuprofen, it is a little bit different. So the infant is more concentrated than the child version, but it is the same medication. So again, if you can only find one form of the medication, I would buy it and then reach out to your pediatrician to confirm the appropriate dose because, you know, we don't want you to be giving too much infant or not enough of the child, right? So that would be a good time to sort of reach out and confirm doses. Most pediatric offices have dosing sheets and dosing um, tables on their websites. So that's definitely a, a thing to look out for that you, you know, can kind of look around. And then the other thing I would say is like, look in unexpected places. So just because CVS doesn't have any doesn't mean your grocery store won't, or some of the big box stores or, you know, wholesale stores. Or even like gas stations. I was going to say, just like, or gas stations. Yeah. So, you know, anywhere where you could buy convenience stores, right? All those sort of places, 7-Elevens. Um, carry these medications and they're Mm -hmm. not the typical place where you would think to go and sometimes you'll be surprised and you can find them there and again like you said you know buy a couple just to get you through and then maybe tell people so that others can go if they need it as well yeah the other thing um that you mentioned which is great that I also uh wanted to piggyback on is in addition to like the name brand Motrin and Tylenol and the generics, there's also some new brands out there. Genexa is one of them. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I actually bought Genexa recently. And so looking for those on the shelf as well, because sometimes those may be at the store and we don't recognize them as mm-hmm. Tylenol. But Genexa is just a new brand of acetaminophen Tylenol um, that is on the market and out there. So it really is the same medication, um, just right. a different company. Right. Awesome. Any other tips? You know, for the bigger kids doing pills, there's also chewables and rectal um, Mm -hmm. formulations out there that, you know, can get you over a bind. I always say having some rectal Tylenol in your house is not a bad idea anyway, because if your kid is vomiting, they're not necessarily going to hold down any medication. Mm -hmm. Um, So having sort of that rectal option is kind of good to have. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just sort of, you know, reminding everyone that, Fever in and of itself is not anything to be scared of. And it's not necessarily anything that needs to get treated. I actually had a, I'm on call this weekend and had someone call and ask me um, what to do about the fact that they can't find any 
um, anti-fever medications for their little one who's running, you know, 100, 101 fever, so kind of low grade, but was otherwise okay. And I just reminded them that, you know, fever is our body doing what it's supposed to. Um, as long as the kiddo is comfortable and, you know, staying hydrated, you can kind of just let their bodies do what they're going to do and that fever will come down. Now, if the child is uncomfortable, of course, give them something. And then there's, you know, all those sort of at-home ways, you know, to make a kid a little bit more comfortable, you know, cool compresses, doing a lukewarm bath, make sure they're hydrated. But really, you know, fever is no reason to be scared. And it's also no reason to automatically give a kiddo medication. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you should not do during this Tylenol and ibuprofen shortage? One of them is reaching for aspirin as a replacement, as aspirin is not recommended for the use in the pediatric population due to its association with Rye syndrome. Um, obviously, there are some rare medical indications for use of aspirin in children. However, in general, it is um, not recommended or advised. Next is reaching for multi-symptom over-the-counter cough and cold medicines, as these contain multiple different medications, um, many of which are not recommended or not approved for use in children and can have several side effects. Um, and last would be if your child is not of the appropriate weight um, or age where an adult dose uh, would be appropriate for them, please do not try to open liquid gels and guess the amount that would be their dose or cut pills into multiple little pieces to try to guess an appropriate dose as this can lead to um, misdosing and overdosing your children. Well, I am loving this, uh, this new series. So hopefully we will get new questions from our listeners. So please, if you have any questions for us, um, you can find us on Instagram at YFNPs, or um, you can leave a message uh, through the anchor link for our podcast under messages as a, as a voicemail, and we will listen to those and try to get to your questions in a timely manner. Thanks for joining us today. Remember that you can find us on Instagram at YFNPEDS. Please feel free to leave us a message if there are any topics that you would like us to discuss. See you next time.